How's everybody feeling right now? I think it's heavy because I, just as I personally reflect, I feel like we've been, as we all know, in such a teardown process, and really it's been probably the last seven to 10 years. And I, I feel it the most tangibly I've ever felt it, that we're turning the corner right now to we're no longer tearing down. We're building, there's gonna be a deeper level of understanding in the building of where we came from, but we're out of the teardown process. And I want us to understand something. I, uh, it just hit me. I was just thinking about going back to the beginning. And we know that we have an Old Testament, an Old Covenant, and a New Covenant or a Renewed Covenant. And it's funny because the new covenant is not the destination. When we think of the old covenant and the new covenant, the new covenant isn't, it isn't the old covenants done away with and now we're at our destination of the new covenant. The new covenant, the renewed covenant is for the purpose of going back to the beginning. So if we stop at the new covenant, We've missed it because the new covenant is to get you back to the beginning. Okay? So I want to read Genesis 1. Okay? Real quick. Okay, listen. This is, this is where our mind needs to be. In the beginning... This is our destination in the beginning. Yah created the heavens and the earth. Yah created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was chaos, waste, darkness was on the surface of the deep. So Yahweh created something that was rough. Did you hear that? God created the earth and the heavens and there was chaos and waste and darkness. His initial creation was chaotic, wasteful, and dark. Okay? I want you guys to hear this because what's happening tonight is we're, we're going to experience a new genesis. Yahweh is regenerating. He's brought us through a process to go to the renewed covenant, to go back to the beginning, to regenerate. Okay? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was chaotic, wasteful, and dark. And the Ruach Elohim was hovering upon the surface of the water. So I want you to understand that in our regeneration, we're coming in here rough. We don't know what we're doing. We're not perfect. There's chaos. There's waste. There's darkness. Even with us going through this process that we've been through. And only when... The Holy Spirit of Yahweh, only when his breath was hovering, did he say, let there be light. I want us to realize that because what we're stepping into, what we've been ordained to step into, what we're stepping into right now, 
is part of the reason why Yahweh brought us together in a covenant was for this. Because we were destined to be a part of this. We were destined to go through the process of renewing a covenant, to go back to the beginning, to be regenerated, to fully understand what Yahweh wants us to do. So I want us to understand that as mom comes up here to minister and she's been shaking and she's been, her whole life, I believe, is, is for the words and every word spoken forward, for the words that she opens her mouth, her life has been destined for this because she represents an element of the Holy Spirit hovering. When there's chaos and dark and wastefulness, she's hovering, waiting for the Father to speak on it. The Holy Spirit was hovering over that chaos, just waiting for the Father. Okay, I'm hovering. You speak on it. That's what she's doing right now. That's what she's come to do. It's, it's the purpose of her life is to hover over the chaos and the darkness and wait for the Father to speak on it. So whatever she's hovering over can be regenerated. Not just renewed. Not just redeemed. But a new creation brand new in the beginning in the context of the beginning so I want us to to welcome mom up here and I want us to posture ourselves that we have we have walked the distance of the we've we've gone through the process of being renewed redeemed we've been saved and Yahweh wants us to go back to the beginning because we're not stopping at the renewed covenant. I want to go back to the beginning. Amen. Amen. Can I share that word from earlier? <clears throat> Megan saw, I'm not going to be able to do it justice, but she saw a, she saw Yahweh's waters dammed up and held back and she was speaking over me that my destiny and my calling has been tiresome and weary because I will go in and I will grab those boulders and I will throw them out and I'll keep going and I'll throw them out and I'll, until the dam has broken. And she said, because on the other side of that, it's desolate and the earth and the bride is waiting for that living water to renew itself. What she didn't say and what I saw was that the remnant, my family, is on the other side of that dam. I'm not just undoing his waters, but each one of you, I'm taking the boulders from in front of you and throwing them out of the way so that your living water can go and flush over the earth. Because you've been dammed up. So know that at the beginning of this season, what's happening is, is that any part of you that is locked up, dammed up, not flowing, not flourishing, not releasing, those boulders are being moved out of your life. Why? So that you can be free? No. <laughs> so that the earth can be regenerated and to be renewed because we were given an assignment 2,000 years ago to do just that. And what we've been damned up for is we're standing here going, Yahweh, take the boulders away. 
And he's like, I did. The boulder moved. I'm waiting for the boulder to move over your grave. <laughs> okay, so I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I feel like Yahweh has an agenda. <laughs> we'll see if I can be, I mean, it's, 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 uh, uh, it's, a, it's a humbling thing to step into your destiny scroll. And it's a humbling thing to release his destiny scroll. Because I'm not here to release mine, I'm here to release his. And we're all a part of that because he's in us. And if we have the boulders in front of us, then he cannot fulfill his destiny scroll. Because it's not just about me, but it's about him and it's about his waters. Boy. Sometimes I get, well, let me just show you. And these are little pages. There's just one, two, three. And I'll, and I'll feel like, like, I, not, it's like I'll, I'll look at this and I'll, and I'll wonder, well, I wonder if this is gonna be enough. And then I'll just get to one line. And I have to remind myself just, we have all night. Not necessarily, well, I mean, not necessarily tonight. We have the whole night season. Um, so just, I just need to. Um, I honestly, like I have these notes and I, I don't, I don't know. I love to teach, but I also feel like this night season is not going to be so much teaching, but more releasing. So while I have all of this and I do want to teach and I want to give the scriptures, at the end of the day, this family's mature enough that what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to give a picture and it's your job to color it in. It's your job to get the details. If you don't understand what I'm saying, dig, find it, get the scriptures. I am a resource outside of Friday night. I'm not just on on Friday and then off at 8.30, as we all know. <laughs> So if we don't understand something, I've got the notes. So that's my preface that I don't know what's gonna come out of my mouth. Okay. Um, the agenda uh, that he has for the next two Fridays for sure to kick off the night season is to release on the fall feasts. So when I say agenda, tonight's, tonight we are gonna be talking about the fall feasts. And I'm, I'm gonna say some things because there are things that just, I'm just gonna say them. Um, there is an aspect coming out of religion that Christianity wants to split hairs over things. We understand that. But there is an aspect of the messianic era that also will split hairs. Meaning you can go from religion to religion if we're not careful. <laughs> We, I can say something like as crazy as what I'm gonna say tonight. And you could be like, well, on September 24th at midnight, that's not what this is about because we are in a process and we are going to learn, but for the sake of not being, I don't also wanna come across not confident in the things that need to be said 
because we need a launching point to start digging. So the permission that I'm asking for is to be able to just say things. I think I said this a couple of years ago. Can we just have a conversation? So I'm gonna say some things. I think it's a little bit more than just a conversation, but I'm not saying things for the purpose of debate, but for the purpose of hunger, for the purpose of the boulders to be moved. Okay, okay, okay. I want us to take a hard heart shift with these fall feasts. And I'm gonna expose and say some things so that we understand how far removed we've been because we, even though I've taught on the feast at times, it's been scratching the surface. And so therefore we don't know what time we're in right now. Like we're standing in a time right now. And if we're unaware of that time, then we are not doing our job when he said you govern that time. If I could be as bold as Christianity doesn't even know what this time is right now. They don't even know what this time is, let alone that he asked you to govern this time. If, how can you govern something if you don't even know it? So we're going to start talking about it so that we can know it, so that we can eventually get to the point where we can rehearse and govern. Okay. If I say, well... Let me start with where you started. What if I told you that Yahweh is a God of order and mysteries do not mean confusion? Mysteries can be taken as that's puzzling, that's confusing, and so he's mysterious, so I don't have access to that part. No, you have full access to it. Mysteries, all that means is that there is something unknown that you need to make known. He knows it, you don't. It's unknown to you, it has not been unveiled. The mysteries are given to those who search out what it is that is unknown to you to known. So could we be a people that would not be intimidated by mysteries if I say something that you once unknew and now you know? It's not, uh, I'm trying to think of what I want to get at. We're not saying things for the purpose to combat or for the purpose to say, well, does that mean that that's right and this was wrong? No, it was unknown, now it's known. What are you gonna do with that? I have to wrestle with what I didn't know. I have to wrestle that there was a time that I preached salvation, I operated in salvation and had no idea what that salvation afforded me in this time. I was wandering around. Nobody knows the hour or day. But I'm saved by grace. So everything's good, and one day there's going to be a trumpet. And when that does, this is how we operated. There was no rhyme or reason. It was just whatever, whenever, nobody knows, you get saved, there's the cross, and then just, just go through the cycle. And one day you'll get taken out of your misery. You just keep just, you're a rat on a wheel. Thank the Lord for the cross. Thank the Lord for the cross. Thank the Lord for the cross. 
because I have no idea what's going on in March and I have no idea what's going on in June and I wonder what the pastor's preaching and I wonder what we're studying and if, what was the purpose? If I could just throw that out there that we would be a people to be like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not even fun. I'm pretty sure heaven is not that. On, off, up, down, waiting around this Yahweh that's mysterious. Someday you'll find out. Why would he do that? Why would he send Ruach that hovered over chaos onto his people so you can just... So I'm going to say some things because he brought up Genesis 1-1. Let me, me, before I say that, I do want to be honest. The fall feasts are a mystery. Um, They're prophetic. They're the ones that have not been fully fulfilled yet. So that's why we have to know what they are so that they can be fulfilled. So, so, okay, this is what I mean by God's a God of order. I'm not, I don't have a whiteboard and I'm not going to get into teaching. Did he fulfill Pesach? Yes. Did he fulfill unleavened bread? Did he fulfill first fruits? Did he fulfill Shavuot? Did he fulfill Yom Teruah? Partially. Okay, so let me, let, me, let me ask you this question. If there are seven appointed Moedim, if there are seven feasts, why would he fulfill four and not fulfill the last three? Why would he just stop being the God of order and being like, you know, I think I'm good. I'm a halfway God. Why would he stop? He's going to fulfill it. But if we are aimlessly not even knowing what he's fulfilling, but just one day he's coming... How does he fulfill it? Because if you remember, he only fulfilled when his people rehearsed. They knew already where to go, what to do, and what was happening. And that is why he had a place to land. So what is happening to the body when the fall feasts come? How does he land if there's not a remnant that understands that he's coming? Okay, so what I want us to get excited about. Are you guys okay? I'm going to say a couple things, like I said. I'm not splitting hairs, but I do want to just throw some things out there. Genesis 1-1 was on Yom Teruah. The heavens and the earth were created on Yom Teruah. I would think that that would be important to his people. Happy birthday, Earth. You were put here. I'm saying this for the purpose of us getting excited because I understand the fall feasts are mysterious. 
So then what is it that we get excited for if we don't know what it means or if we don't know his order or his plan or his strategy or his goodness? So the reason why I'm doing this is because if I said December 25th, every single one of you in here would be like, I know exactly what that date is. And you all get excited for it. And there's been not maybe anymore, but there's been some intentionality The Christian church has some intentionality. They have staff meetings to get their Santa in, to do gifts, to do plays, to do skits, to call out to the lost, to bring them in. We know December 25th. So why do we not know that Yeshua was born during the fall feast? If we can be excited for his birth then, why can't we be excited for his birth now? And you're standing in it right now. That's the level of separation I'm talking about. You've been celebrating his birthday time for all these years and brushed right over that September date. Brushed right over that October date, wherever it lands. Remember in the scriptures where it says that Yeshua was born and he tabernacled among us? I wonder what he's going to fulfill on tabernacles. (laughs) Does that not get you excited to recognize what Yom Teruah was when we read that in whatever scripture I have written down here, that there's going to be a trumpet sound. And we're like, I wonder when that's going to happen. That should be exciting that he's opening the mysteries that we do know. We don't know what year, but we know when. So this is why we rehearse. Can you imagine a people that knows the day and hour? How much we would be on our face instead of being an entitled religious society of I hope all those other people out there get it. It's one thing to live your life. One day he's coming back, how lax that can be. But if he says on this day, There's a weight with that. Those are just two things during the fall feasts that are a part of his order, creation and his son's birth. Now, I don't have time to teach on it. I've talked about it a little bit, but you can mathematically calculate where he, why, when he was born based on understanding John the Baptist, when his mom was six months pregnant, her belly leapt. That was at the time of conception. There's a clue in the scripture when you know that Elisheva's husband was part of the priesthood. And he was a part of a particular priesthood. And when you research that, he had an order to operate in the temple during a certain time. Happened to be between Pesach and Shavuot. That is the miracle of when she conceived Elizabeth. Count six months later, you're at Hanukkah. When John the Baptist is six months in the womb, You're at Hanukkah. 
Mary conceives during that time. Now you understand the light. And the miracle of the oil. Then you count three months later, John the Baptist was born during Pesach. She has to be pregnant for 40 weeks. You count out six months past Pesach, and you are at Tabernacles. He doesn't have mysteries to withhold. But at the same time, we need to be careful to follow man's tradition and aimlessly wander around being lied to and not understanding his times and his reasons and his goodness and his order. Does that make sense? Some people are going to be like, why split hairs? Why not just celebrate it? And I say, why not celebrate it? I just want the fullness. I want truth. I don't want to water down someone told me. I want to dig, and I want to find it. And it may be like, well, why, why doesn't it say when he was born? Because he wants a people that will go beyond. Can I just talk about this? I'm just, can I, I'm just going to say this. Genesis 1-1. Was Yahweh an American? Did he hover over the waters and be like, let there be light. Can we at least agree that Yahweh probably did not say, if we can just think outside of ourselves for a second, just another country even, that he did not say in Genesis 1-1, let there be light. But can we agree that he did speak and that air came out of his nostrils? What is the name of Yom Teruah? The day of the blowing. There is a sound and you have to be in tune with the sound. Do you think that you're going to hear a trumpet from Israel in Flagstaff? I think we should probably rehearse. Because I don't know if heaven is going to be like, bum ba da da Are you guys all right? Yom Teruah has already happened. We have another year, guys. Is that okay to say that? Is that okay to say that? <laughs> Thank the Lord. Because this is where it gets heavy. Because we are in the middle of 10 days right now. Now... Our timing, this is why I don't want to split hairs, our timing is off because of logistically shifting into the night season and all that we did with discipleship. So we're honoring and rehearsing just a little bit off on the days. And I think that that's okay. We're trying. So right now we are in the middle of the 10 days of awe. Yom Kippur is on Wednesday. Write that down. So just to give, 
just a big picture. Fall feasts, there's three. Yom Teruah, 10 days of awe. Yom Kippur, five days after that. Sukkot, and you celebrate that for eight days. There is some powerful things with the feasts. They are a gift. While we have pushed up against and wanted that boulder to keep us dammed up, it is a gift because it will unlock everything. Let me give one little thing that it will unlock. There are seven feasts. There were seven days of creation. You will be blown away when you understand what Sukkot is. It is rest. It is that seventh day. You will understand Yom Teruah with the blowing. You will understand that they arc with one another. He dwells, he died. Remember unleavened bread? That's the second one. There was that separation. What do you think atonement is? It's judgment, which is scary. But if you fall on the right side of judgment, atonement is making amends. Everything arcs. Everything matters. Everything makes sense. That's why at Pesach, when we're not eating leaven, to rehearse and remember the separation, the, 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 the him descending to ascent. First fruits. This, okay, I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say this, and it's super, super powerful. I wanted it up on the thing, but I couldn't find it. The Old Testament is to point to Yeshua. Yeshua is to point to the Old Testament. Everything points to something. So first fruits. We need to understand the Old Testament or you won't know who Yeshua even is. If he's your high priest because some pastor told you that he's interceding on your behalf, you have gotten 150 layers deep, possibly a quarter of the first layer. If you don't understand the priesthood, you don't know what he did for you. For example, here's, here's just a little idiom. The priest during this time had to make atonement before Yeshua, okay? He would spend 10 days cleaning in hopes that the weight of that veil, which by the way is not a little veil, it's like 400 to 600 pound veil, and they would tie their ankle so that when they would go underneath it, that if they didn't make it, if they weren't clean enough, they're dead. And they'd have to drag them out. So they would have to be clean, right? To go into the Holy of Holies. Us used to be Christians don't understand that. It's all grace. It's be dirty and what's up? Now you guys have to hear me in the spirit. You know what I'm talking about when I say stuff like that. Okay? There's a reverence that needs to be reinstilled because of the entitlement that has come. That does not mean that I am not dismissing his blood. He is, he is our atonement. He is the reason why. 
but he's not done yet. And we're gonna get into that. Okay, first fruits, here's a, here's a little clue. The priest had to be clean and you were not allowed to touch the priest before they went into the Holy of Holies. When Yeshua told Mary, don't touch me. That's how you know he was the first fruit. But we read that and make a sermon out of it. Oh, it was better for Mary because she would have missed him. She would have been sad if she would have touched him. No, he could not be touched because he was fully clean to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies. This is what I'm talking about, the word being made alive, that everything makes sense, everything matters, everything that even seems hip hypocrisy, like hypocritical, means something. Sorry, I keep going off on rabbi trails. This, this book, do you know that they have books locked up in the Vatican so you can't see them? So I'm just saying that not only does this make sense, there is other literature to back this up that has been locked up. But guess what? It's inside of you. Okay. We are in the 10 days of all right now. Yom Kippur is on Wednesday. Let me just say this logistically as a family, we are going to honor atonement, but we're gonna be honoring it late. We're actually gonna be honoring it technically during Sukkot because we're gonna be doing it on October 14th. So not next Friday, the next Friday. And the reason for that is because I felt like our family, we needed time to be able to understand what it is that Yom Kippur even is, what atonement is for us to be able to learn how to rehearse that part of the fall feast. So in order to prepare for the 14th, the reason why I had you put down the date of Yom Kippur on Wednesday is we are calling a fast. Let me see if I can get that scripture. Will you open up to that Psalms 119? Part of the reason why we're going to fast as a family is because I believe that we need to come ready on the 14th. It is an invitation. It is not an obligation. If you are not wanting to participate and you are not wanting to fall on your face, do not come. Because there will be a reverence and an honor when we come into this sanctuary. And ultimately, there's not gonna be a whole lot that's gonna be facilitated. We are going to be crawling through those doors and we are gonna be laying on our face. And we will have about two and a half hours to do whatever it is that he wants to do in us. So in order to prepare for that, I want us to be as low as we can get or as holy as we can get, which means pushing certain things down so that he can be elevated. Um, I, yeah, let me just talk about Yom Kippur. Are you guys okay? The fast that I'm going to throw out there is what we're going to throw out there, but it's an individual thing on where you're at when I say what I say. Because if I say fast from something you don't like, 
we might be like, I'm not going to watch TV for 10 days. I don't know if that's what he's getting at. It's not what he's getting at. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, it's, uh, it will be a 10-day water fast. Now, I say that, and individually, you are going to have to make the decision on what Yahweh's asking you to do. But I'm throwing that out there to just set the tone of what it is that he's after. So Tuesday night, the eve of Wednesday, which is the eve of Yom Kippur, we would start this water fast, and we will not break the fast until, it is October 14th, right? October 14th, that Friday service, we will break it with communion together. You're, <laughs> I was like, oh, you got me. <laughs> um, now let me explain about the priest and becoming clean. Because what's happening is, is we get to rehearse this time in order to pull forward the fulfillment of what is to come. 10 days of awe or walking towards Yom Kippur. You guys remember when I gave you guys the word teshuva last week? There was three parts to teshuva. Essentially, um, oh, I should probably get my notes from and say it wrong. Regret. Meaning teshuva is not just repentance in the way that we've heard repentance. It doesn't even mean just, it does mean turn and return, but it's more than just a turning. There's a process. Regret, decision to change, and then verbally expressing. Okay, let's think of the fall feasts. Repent, redemption, rejoice. Let's go back. Teshuva. I want to return and come home. I want to return back to an original state. He's saying we're going back to the beginning, but that's because the beginning is the end. So regret, a decision to change, verbal expression. It follows along where you have Yom Teruah. That's a warning. He's saying, do, 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 do. You've got 10 days before I do my judgment. Can you imagine? We've been aimlessly wandering around wondering. That's why it's so strong in Matthew that he says, you lawless ones, I didn't know you. He talks, well, let's just read it. Matthew 25. For those of you that are like, I wonder if any of this is in the New Testament. The righteous judge. What do you think he's talking about there? Like some far off place when you're, when you died and went to heaven? The righteous judge. Now when the son of man comes, weird. Matthew 25, he had already tabernacle, he had already came. So he's talking about when he comes in his glory, all the angels with, the, with him. Then he sits on his righteous throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. Do you carry a nation? And he will separate them from one another. 
Basically, all you over there I don't know, go to the left. All of you that have been obedient, go to the right. This 10 days is to reconcile, am I gonna be on the left or am I gonna be on the right? And that is okay for us every year to reevaluate, reassess, and get on our face because it stops the process of entitlement and I've got it all together. Jesus already came. But in Matthew 25, it says there's going to be a separation and it doesn't say if you know Jesus, you're on the right, and if you don't, you're on the left. It does not say that. So this time, he's talking about what's gonna happen. Trumpets are gonna blow. 10 days, he's gonna be starting to move some things. He's gonna be gathering. He's gonna be putting nations over here, and he's gonna be putting nations over here. This is the time for us to rehearse. Let him move those things. Let him put this over here. Let him put this over here. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. That's what this 10 days is. Yom Kippur is the day of judgment. It's the day he makes the decision. It is the most holiest day. It was the most holiest day. It is the most holiest day. And it will be the most holiest day. Just like with Pesach, the blood on the doorpost was, the blood on the cross is, and the blood is to come, right? There's always what was, what is, and what's to come. And when you are a people that can operate multidimensional, you can be in a rehearsal in the moment and what's to come all at the same time. And you will understand what the priest did on Yom Kippur, what it meant when Yeshua had to be that, that place of atonement, and then also understanding that his story isn't done yet. Does that make sense? With the separation, why we would fast. That we would operate out of that place of reverence that judgment's coming. It is powerful. You guys were all there when Gabe and Ellen gave their testimony, right? Gabe's testimony. He didn't know it was Yom Kippur. He didn't know when we got crazy and took all the seats out and Yahweh said, I've had enough of the show and he got rid of everything and Gabe put a cot in front of the cross and slept on a cot. Because he was told, it's either me or you. It's either left or right. He was saved. He was a worship leader. He was a pastor's kid. He knew everything about that cross, and yet he still had to sleep on a cot and go through the process of you want that or you want me. And if you pick that, you're out. And do we understand that level of reverence that you pick that, you're out? No, because we're like, Jesus, and it's just grace. His grace is that you're out. (laughs) That is grace. 
But it's grace for those that understand the mystery and are willing. You lose your life, you gain it. That doesn't sound like grace to the religious because they don't want to go through that process. I already have it together. Don't put me on that cot. I have got to uphold my place. I don't want to be on that cot. I'm going to undermine everything Yeshua did. No, you're going to honor everything Yeshua did. (sighs) Ten days. Every year we get ten days. Make amends. Make it right. Someone, so, so there's, there's a disconnect with someone, make it right. It's an opportunity and it's a rehearsal to make amends. What you're doing is you're stepping into who he is. He was the ultimate amend maker. He made amends two worlds apart, humans and heaven. And Yahweh made amends. Because he was willing to be the unleavened bread and separate. So when we rehearse and we separate, we get to step into what does make amends look like? You know what that is? Reconciliation. It's taking two worlds that are opposite of one another and... Okay? You're you're stepping, that's what standing in the gap means. It's making amends. It, it's, it's, it's understanding what he did. Two opposites coming together. Isn't that powerful? One way to look at this time is your scroll. If I can speak a mystery, again, not to split hairs, but just to speak and and release. You have a book. Your book is actually written in your DNA. And during this time, right now, it's open. During this time, he's sifting through that book. And he gives you the authority and the power to decide what shuts and what stays open. You have a part in this. You have a choice. Your scroll, your destiny, your book is open right now. And he is taking these 10 days to look through your book. And he's going to make a decision. This is such a powerful thing. We don't understand judgment either. Judgment says, book of life, the book of death. It's one or the other. There's not one in between. He does not have a gray book of half alive or zombies. It's life or death. That's what's so powerful. But see, here's the thing. I don't think as a people we know what judgment is because we judge. And when we judge, we are living, we are over their book choosing death or life when we judge. That's why I know we don't understand judgment because we're so quick to judge. We're willing to look over their DNA scroll and choose life or death on their behalf because of our judgment. That is, he is the judge. 
Let him first be the judge in me. Let me understand that during this time, I am wide open. And it's an appointed time. That's why someone in our family would be on a cot during that 10 days and we didn't even know it. Because his scroll was open during that time. I believe any other time, he wouldn't have been on that cot because the scroll would have been shut. Whatever he had chosen the year before, he was in it all year long because the, the, the scroll shut. You want some boulders moved? This is the time. And you guys understand what I'm saying. He is outside of time, and that does not mean that I'm trying to... He's good all the time. All the time. He's good. We're still okay. (laughs) But there is something about his appointed times. There is something special about the gift of his feast. There is something when you step into that place that there are things that snap, there are things that come into alignment that cannot happen any other time because he is a God of order and he is a God that does honor his appointed times. And he said you're supposed to know those times and he asked you to govern those times, which means you have a role in this. So if we're wandering around going, why isn't Yahweh doing anything? Derek talked about the apples. So again, the fall feast, there's a warning. There's 10 days. There's judgment. This is when he judges the nations. After that judgment, five days later is when he rules and he reigns and he dwells. That's the tabernacling. We're going to get into that when we really start getting into tabernacles, but that's where the apples come in. (laughs) This is the sweetness. It sounds harsh because a lot of it has to do with judgment, but it is his goodness. He has a plan for this earth and without his goodness, we're not gonna be able to do it if he just lets us run around. It's his his good instructions. It's his good guidance. It's it's his goodness that he he would do that. And so there's a sweetness that comes. There's rest that comes with tabernacles. The seventh day. um, But what he spoke to me was that we were not gonna understand his dwelling or honor that he would choose to dwell among the nations on the right side. If we don't understand that you're even on the right side. Uh, Let me talk a little bit about the month. The month of Elul, which we just came out of, this is so powerful. You guys know this, you know, Gabi will send out a newsletter, this propheticness to each month. Alul, the king is in the field. Jason, you notice I was looking at the clock. Right? The king was in the field. Okay? Why? Because you're a worker on this earth. And the month prior to the warning, he comes. And he works with you. He comes out of his home. He changes his garments and he works with you. And he's looking to see if you will notice who he is. That's why Matthew says, if you feed the sick, you have fed with me. If you feed the hungry, you have fed me. If you heal the sick, you've healed me. And they're like, what are you talking about? 
If you've let them, he is in the field. He left his place. He left his home to come and dwell among you. But he hasn't made himself known yet. He's just walking around. Doesn't the month of Elua shift now? Ooh, I should have been paying attention last month. Just me? What does it mean that he's in the field? Okay. Then when Chishri comes, the king leaves the field and goes back to his house and changes his garments. He puts on white. When that trumpet blasts on the first of Tishri, the workers who recognized him know to follow him and go into the house. Were we aware on the first of Tishri to go into the house? This is what I'm talking about when we're dismantling theories because in one of the New Testament scriptures, it says that there's a trumpet blast. Out of context, it sounds like a trumpet is going to blast at some random time. Not recognizing that when they wrote that, they knew that the trumpet blasted every month. And there's a different blast on the first of Tishri. Is this making sense? What? Yes. Where, which scripture is that one? Oh my goodness. I need to read that one. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We'll find it. It's in there. If it's not, it's locked up in Vatican. Just kidding. <laughs> But it talks about the first of Tishri, there's a, there's a trumpet sound. And it says, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna find it. Yeah, it's in Colossians, I think. First Corinthians, I was just kidding. Let me see it. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. I don't think that that's the one. Sorry. Behold, I show you a mystery. We, sh we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. When we read that, a theology and a doctrine, out of nowhere, with no context, no rhyme or reason, and anything to do with what has always been happening, has been permeated all over us. The last trump. That means that there's been a lot. That means there was just one a couple days ago. But there is coming a day that there's going to be a last trumpet sound. The last trump. That's what we're rehearsing. We're calling forth Corinthians, right? We're calling forth Corinthians forward when we rehearse because there is a day that there will be a last trump. 
Does that, it's, it's totally different than just out of nowhere, nobody knows anything. We've never heard a trumpet before. It's just all of a sudden a trumpet's gonna sound and we're gonna know what to do randomly. But the last trump, which means there's been many trumps. Do you know what you do during those trumps? We do, we will. Yeah, English says Trump, the last so far. And there's so much symbolism in it. When you talk about the priests and the lambs and one has the red tie and one's perfect and then the ram's horn, his sound. I don't know who I envisioned a trumpet. <laughs> like three, three, do, 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 do. like up there somewhere to where the whole earth would like see it. There's paintings of the Last Supper. <sighs> Let me give some scriptures. Does that make sense with Teshuva, what we're doing right now? We are, we are repenting. We are understanding that there is a warning. And when I say warning for us alone, could it just be a warning? I don't know what the heck the warning is. Could it be that? The day of atonement that Kingdom Air celebrates on October 14th, this is going to be the overarching thing, okay? You're gonna come in here, you're gonna get on your face, and all we're gonna do is, I don't know. That's it. There's no agenda. There's no encounter. There's no need. There's no pleading. There's nothing. It's I have done my best to reconcile and be clean, to enter even, to even be allowed to have this moment. And this moment is, can I get on my face? I don't know. Could we just be there as a family? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have some mysteries. I do know it's not what I was told, but I don't know. And can we be okay with letting him left, right? <laughs> because on that day is judgment. On that day. I, that judgment grants you permission to dwell. That judgment on the right allows you to rule and reign with him in the house. Not up there. Here. In the house. So we're rehearsing. We're rehearsing the warning. We're rehearsing the, clean, the cleansing. And then we're gonna come and we're gonna say, we don't know. And we're just gonna be on our face. And that should send us into the night season to allow the greatest lie ever told in Christianity being exposed. Why? Because he's preparing us for next year. He wants his remnant ready. He wants us ready. He wants us rehearsing. He wants us to know he is not trying to hide. He is not trying to be ambiguous. He has laid it out 
It is, I, you guys, I have such a heart. The reason why I want to grab that knife or something is because it is so plain. Some things that I just want to just throw out there. Genesis before Mount Sinai. Abraham was blessed because he obeyed his commandments. How? Mount Sinai hadn't even happened yet. And Christians say that we're not supposed to understand the Torah or we don't have to abide by it. Abraham was obeying his commandments prior to Mount Sinai. Ding, ding, ding. Revelation says his remnant will know my Torah and my son. Two opposing things reconciling together. It does not say in Revelations, if you know my son, you're good. It says you will obey my law and know my son. That's it. We've been told half the story. And that is what I'm mad about. We've only had, we have only had half the story. There's more. And it is clear and concise. You cannot, okay, we want to argue Torah, fine. Revelations, every Christian understands end times and revelations. Why does it say my remnant knows my law? Why does it say in the New Testament, not one dot, not one iota, not one dot of my instructions will be wiped away until heaven and earth have passed? Has heaven and earth passed? No. And we don't know any of this. We don't know half the story. Talk about two opposing stories being reconciled. Why do you think he came? That's why I said, Old Testament points to Yeshua. Yeshua points to Old Testament. And we're right smack in the middle. And we've got this issue with Jew or Gentile. It's neither. I want to light a fire for us to know that we're not just walking through 10 days to cleanse. Yes, it is personal. Absolutely, it's personal. But you have the living water that Megan was talking about. Held up, bolded up. What did you say? Damned up. You have been damned up. And he wants you to let loose. And he wants you to, the living waters to flow. And that has been robbed from us because of the rocks and the boulders. Meaning it's not just for you. It is not just for you. He needs his people, his remnant to, to rehearse. So he, because he needs to land. Okay. I don't like that clock not turned around. I don't. Um, I am going to give you guys some scriptures so you can color in this picture. Okay. Um. 
I've given this one before, but just an overarching scripture, probably for the whole night season, Hebrews 10.1. Remember when I talked about the shadow of the things to come? I, let me, I, I am gonna talk about this a little bit. I said, first feast, fulfilled. Second, fulfilled. Third, fulfilled. Fourth, fulfilled. Yom Teruah, not yet. Partially. The reason why this is so important is because we need to understand that his story is not done. As a people, we have put him on the cross and then left him there and said, that's the end of his story, but that's not the end of his story. So when he says himself, I did not come to do away with all of that, I came to bring meaning to it. I came to fulfill it. Okay, fulfilled it? I came and fulfilled it? No, I came to fulfill it. His story is not done, which means there's more. And we all know that there's more. And that's why it says in the scriptures, not one dot, not one iota, of what I know, of what I honor, of what I follow, of who I am. Who do you think the Torah is? The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Why are we allowed to have it written on our hearts? Because he gave us access to himself and we've been taking him away from who he is and molding him into who we want him to be. And he's not who you want him to be. That is religion. He is not who you want him to be. He is who his father said he was. And the prophet said who he was. And it not only says that, it, that, that uh, in that scripture about the um, not one daughter and all that, it talks about the Torah and the prophets. We cannot pick and choose what we want. Everything about the Torah and the prophets point to my Messiah but I am not going to dismiss that they did all of that to point to him and be like, thanks. Now that I got my beloved and my beloved is mine and then end up being a whore disregarding the heritage of my husband because I won't take on his name. I want him to take on my name. He is not Jesus Brewer. scriptures. Sorry. All of the feasts are in numbers laid out. Chapters 28 verses 16 through 25 is Pesach. Remember with Pesach there's three. And I'm just for the sake of time. Verses 26 or 31 is Shavuot. Guys, he's so good. You don't even have to dig. It's just, it's just, it's like my appointed feast. Boom, 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 boom. For all of eternity. For all of time. You, yeah, it, you will honor 
the Jewish feasts. Did you guys catch, did you guys catch that? I was hoping nobody was going to amen because of the fire. <laughs> Somebody's like, amen, mom. I'm like, no, don't amen that. For every generation from this point forward, not until zero BC, for all of time, you will honor my appointed feasts. It is crazy, asinine. I put a picture of a menorah and all of a sudden I'm Jewish? Abraham, Jews weren't even around yet. Jews were not even on the face of the planet. And Abraham was obeying his commandments and following the feasts. Explain that. But all of a sudden, Old Testament's Jewish? Come on. Now I'm, I'm getting all fiery. I understand why we think that. Because of the lies that have been told to us. It is absolute deception. I'm not a fire hell brimstone Bible person. But if I was... I feel like I would have to tell every Christian church, you're going to hell. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I'm just saying. It's that, it's your, you, my lawless ones. I did not know you. What do you think that means? That you ran a red light? No. Okay. What was I getting at? Scriptures. <laughs> Does that make sense? He doesn't say that these are the Jewish feasts. When this was written, they were, well, when this was written, they, it was. But when they were honoring it, there weren't, they weren't even, Judah hadn't been born yet. That is quotable. You should research that. When was Judah born? And then timeline everything pre-Judah. How did they get Everything, well, well, that's another whole thing. They get the honor because they didn't divorce from his ways. So now all of a sudden it's a Jew thing. That should be an honorable thing. They didn't divorce, we did. And the only reason why I have access to do any of that is because of the Messiah. That's the only reason why. I was divorced. I am part of the 10 tribes. I divorced. I was the one. This is Yom Kippur. I did not honor. I divorced from his ways. I don't even know his ways. I don't even know when to see it if I see it. And if I see it, I judge it. So I become judge. That's the opposite of the gospel. He's the judge. The scriptures. Shavuot in 26 verses 31. You go to chapter 29 and you've got one through six is Yom Teruah. You got seven through 11 is atonement. You got 12 through 40, Sukkot. Read it. It's right there. Um, uh, Leviticus 23. Uh, yeah, let's just do Leviticus 23 gives a lot of the how. Numbers says, here's what you're going to do. Leviticus says, here's how you're going to do it. It's pretty cool. Two books. Here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to do it. 
And when you look at it, you can see the Messiah all over it. Okay. Um, there's some cool, uh, just little things I'm just going to throw out there. Exodus 32, when Moses pleads. When do you think that was when he pled? Yom Kippur. Tabernacles were rehearsing. They did this honoring the wilderness when they lived and they need, you know, they needed his provision. All of this, they, they lived it and then he gave it in, in written and oral format to understand what it was that they had gone through in order to continue to honor that. And then you can see through the prophets and you can see through uh, all the times of, you know, Nehemiah, you can see them reinstate when you start getting into Ezra and all, you can start to see them bring it back. They were lost, they brought it back. Same thing happened with Yeshua's time. But guess what? Now we're in that book. There is a Nehemiah, there is an Ezra. All right. Um, oh, it's right there. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. The last trump. I'm just going to throw these scriptures out there. You can, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, 11 through 12. Revelations 19. You'll start to understand Revelations. White, bright light. Why is it white? What were the priests wearing? What is the king wearing? All of it matters. There's an aspect of uh, let there be light too. Just a couple of things just to know in Israel, after they would uh, blow the trumpets, there were hills all around. And when the other uh, priests would hear the trumpets, they would light a fire. And then when the next, the next group of people would see that fire, they'd light their fire. And then they would light their fire. And so that, that, that's why there's light and there's, there's bright. And that's why you start to understand in Genesis 1-1, let there be light, the sound, the shofar, the breathing. Like I said, it wasn't let there be light. It was probably do-do-do-do. <laughs> I, I don't know, but there was, there was light. There's something that happens at Yom Teruah with the light. And then, um, and anyway, so there's just all of this stuff. So what I want us to do as a family is to understand that when we come, that right now, I mean, we can start now walking that process out, but next Wednesday we will start the fast. And when we come, our goal or our heart's position is, I don't know, and face to face. Yom Kippur is the time of face to face. It's when the priest went in. It's just a scary thing to go in unclean because it could mean death but we want to be face to face. So I don't know and face to face. I think I'm pretty much done, but I do, I'm going to say <clears throat> one thing. 
while we're going through this. Um, and I probably should have done this earlier, but we do have the honor of having Dr. Lyle and Pam with us. Uh, we've been building a relationship with them, with uh, Amber and Jason. Uh, it's a, you guys can clap. He is calling forth the remnant. We are in the beginning stages of understanding this. There are groups and groups and groups and groups and groups and groups and groups. We are not alone. Um, but he said something really powerful that it's not about looking at what it is, but it's looking to him. And so I want us to understand when we hear things that are... Um, like Yom Teruah, for example. I think, Stephanie, you had this question of Rosh Hashanah. The head of the year. Uh, that is a civil word for the new year. It's modern Israel. But we're not trying to look like modern Israel. We're trying to look like the Bible. And so just to, you know, when you start to hear these words and you're starting to wrestle with some of, the, the, some of these things and you're trying to figure out what is all of this, Rosh Hashanah just basically means like what Derek said, the head of the year. It's the beginning of the year. But how many of us know that at Pesach in Nisan 1, Yahweh's time says you get to start over. So yes, we have entered into 5783, but the importance is not so much that the year is new, but that it's the time of his warning or the time of his trumpet. That you under, I want you to understand more that the king was in the field the month prior and you're, you're looking for him and that when that trumpet blasts, you are to follow him into the house. That's what's important. That's what Yom Teruah is. Then Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, which has many names, by the way. I don't even have my notebook on that. But remember in the beginning when I said that no man shall know, what, say it, the day or the hour. That's a nickname for Yom Teruah. It doesn't actually mean you don't know. And we don't know the year and we may not know the actual hour because of the new moon sighting and, the, and all of that. But at the end of the day, we do know. It's not, it's not a lofty thing. There's, there's, there's multiple names. It's the, um, the first of Tishri. It's the beginning of creation. The Yom Teruah has many, many names and they're all biblical. So just, you know, just... My point in all of that is as you're wrestling through this and you're hearing different things and you're trying to sort through it face-to-face, -face, eyes on him. <laughs> eyes on him does not necessarily mean it's like he, he is in here. This is why I have access to all of this. It is written on my heart. Derek said it's on my heart, but I may not know it. May we know our hearts. May we know who he is in me, Okay. All right, so do you guys have that date down? Because we will not be meeting again until next Friday in the middle of it. So Tuesday night would start it Wednesday through that the net 10 days. So the next Friday, we'll be meeting again. We'll be going over uh, the fall feast some more. Uh, we'll be doing more on atonement, maybe even getting into tabernacles to understand what it is that's coming. And then we will have that service where we get on our face. And then essentially after that, we will be unlocking the night season. Amen.